Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, everyone. It's Lori Bischoff here. You are listening to the podcast where my guest du jour and I talk shift because the antidote to feeling stuck begins in our minds with a shift in our thinking. Often that mental shift results in us taking radical action and going rogue to make some really massive and necessary changes in our lives. Today, my guest is Debbie Dalton. Debbie has a story to share with us that is certain to grab your attention and your heart. It's a story that really I I would not wish on my worst enemy, you guys. Debbie is the founder of the Hunter Dalton HD Life Foundation and in an an advocate for prevention and awareness regarding the dangers of recreational drug use. She's also a public speaker and a recipient of the 2018 North Carolina Attorney General's Dogwood Award, which is an award given to honor North Carolinians. Did I say that right? North Carolinians? I think so. (laughs) Who are dedicated to keeping people safe, healthy, and happy in their communities. Debbie was given this award because of her dedication to confronting and combating the opioid crisis. I am really happy to be talking with Debbie today because the more I hear about this and the more I'm learning about it, the more strongly I feel about being part of the initiative to cultivate awareness around this really serious epidemic, which is frankly quickly moving into the status of being a pandemic. This insane drug crisis is not limited to the images or ideas of what many of us might think of as stereotypical drug users or addicts. No, we are way, way past that, you guys. Nobody is safe. This is not limited strictly to addictive drug use. This is about what has long been considered as relatively acceptable recreational activity, like a safe game to play socially, but it has turned into unknowingly playing Russian roulette. And that is the main focus of the conversation with Debbie today. Debbie, welcome to We're Talking Shift. I am so grateful to have you on with me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much um, for having me. Of course, of course. So tell us about your foundation, the Hunter Dalton HD Life Foundation, why you started it, and what exactly is meant by the HD Life? Absolutely. Well, everything starts with my son, Hunter. Um, He was born in March of 1993 and was just this amazing young man. I know every parent thinks that about their child, but Hunter had a gift. He just had a gift for loving unconditionally, and making everybody that he met throughout his life feel like they were the most important person in the world. You know, he had a love of life, a love of adventure, just was this joyful person. And we were a very, very close family, Um, traveled a lot together, just um, united the three of us doing all kinds of fun things together and, and Hunter making his mark in this world. He graduated college in 2016 and He was literally living the dream. You know, he had everything in the world going for him. And as a parent, once he, you know, walked across that stage at college graduation, I kind of went, you know, you take a little bit of a sigh of relief. You're always going to worry about your children. But, you know, you think that a lot of it's behind them. And with Hunter, 
um, with all the good decisions that he made in his life, and there were many, the one bad decision that he made was to use recreational drugs. Mm. And um, for Hunter and his friends, you know, they just had this mindset that recreational drugs would not impede their daily lives. It's not like they were running around looking for hard drugs or trying to find, you know, constantly on drugs. They call them the weekend warriors. And they, you know, think a little pot, smoke a little weed, um, maybe snore a little cocaine, stay away from the heavy stuff and, and don't do a lot of it and your life will be good. Right. And in days past, that was a pretty acceptable mindset, right? It was. It was. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, um, certainly in my generation. Yeah, you know, mine too. That's that's the way that we thought. And, you know, we didn't see people get hurt from those kind of drugs. Um, and so, you know, I, I get that. And keep in mind that, that kids are exposed even as early as middle school. You know, they're going to be exposed to the drugs and they were around. And, you know, sometimes, quite frankly, it's easier for them to get the drugs than it is alcohol, you know, if they want to get a little higher party or, or whatever is going on. And, um, you know, that that was certainly the case with Hunter. It was just an occasional thing. It wasn't um, uh, a need or anything like that. And Hunter, mm-hmm. came, he came home uh, Thanksgiving weekend, 2016. We just had this amazing family weekend. Um, he had moved about three hours from where we lived with his new job and been gone about two months, but home every weekend, you know, we were, we were still real close. Like I said, and, um, he left that Sunday and I gave him a big hug and, um, you know, waved goodbye and excuse me and did the mother thing, you know, walked out, watched him drive out the driveway and told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. And, um, that night he texted me and said, uh, love you, mom. I'm home safe. And the next night I was sitting down at my table. I was going to write Christmas cards. And I literally was writing the very first Christmas card. And I had signed my husband's name. And then I signed my name. And then I paused for a minute. I, ha- I remember thinking, do I sign Hunter's name? Technically, he's moved out of the house. And I got a big old smile on my face and said, of course, of course, mm-hmm. Hunter's, you know, it's always been Randy, Debbie and Hunter and Randy is my husband. Yeah. And as I'm writing his name, my phone rings and I saw that it was Hunter. So I picked it up very enthusiastic, anxious to talk to him. And I heard this is Blake on the other end of the call. And I knew immediately that it was bad news, but I'm telling you that nothing prepared me what I heard next, which was that Hunter had overdosed. Um, I so remember Bla- Blake, it was a friend of his that was calling you on Hunter's phone. Yes. Yes. He, um, I'm his roommate. And he, when he told me that I just, I started screaming and, and Blake got so hysterical. We were both so upset. Randy had to get on the phone. My husband had to get on the phone with the um, police officers and um, the news at that point was that that they had revived Hunter. They'd gotten a pulse and they were rushing him to the hospital. And we were out of our house in a minute and driving, you know, the three hour trip that felt like 800 hours. And just the whole time we just kept back and forth to each other, overdose, like what, how, what, what even, how did that happen? And 
and, you know, kind of alternating between screaming and shock and trying to get doctors on the phone and finding out what was going on. And um, we got to the hospital and initially they were actually optimistic. Hunter's very strong, six foot three. You know, he worked out, very healthy young man had, had taken good care of himself. And um, the doctor's like, look, we've, he's got a strong heartbeat. And they put him in a hypothermic state, a medical coma, to try to make sure there was no more um, swelling of the brain. And we had a couple of days of, of just kind of praying and hoping and, and friends and family and so many people that the nurses said that at their nurse meeting, one of the nurses had asked, is there a celebrity in the room? Because it just was this outpouring of love and, and, and also shock. You know, how, how is Hunter in the hospital? And, and sadly, um, as the days went by, the news got worse um, and, until they told us that, that Hunter would not make it. And mm-hmm. I held his hand as he took his last breath on December 4th, 2016. Okay. I, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know. It's only been then a couple of years. Right. It has. So, and, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's brutal. I, I, I can't even describe um, how it feels just to be so helpless. You know, as a parent, we're supposed to protect our kids. Yeah. And I know that you talk a lot about going rogue. And yeah. honestly, Lori, that holding his hand in that hospital without even really knowing what that meant is when I made the decision to go rogue because I knew that I, I couldn't do anything for Hunter. Um, but I, you know, I just knew that I had to try to do something. Mm -hmm. So even while we're holding his hand in the hospital, the decision was made to start a foundation. And initially we didn't even know what that meant. I just knew I had to do something to help somebody some kind of way. And it wasn't until we got all the facts and we found out what had happened to Hunter and I started doing my research and I'm looking and there are, there's just not enough adequate updated prevention and awareness. Um, There's that piece is missing with the opioid crisis and, you know, knowledge is power. And, and I know that had my son known what I now know, you and I would not be talking. Right. Would not be having this conversation. I would be waiting to talk to Hunter today to see how his day was going. Um, but that's the reality of it. And that's why I'm so grateful for this opportunity to to be on your show, to let people know there's just so much out there um, that the opioid crisis is a very generic term, generic term in and it encompasses so much, but there's just basic information to fentanyl is a game changer. And that's what people need to be aware of and be just terrified of and um, make sure that they're, they're knowledgeable about. Sure. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like we were saying earlier, you know, our generation um, with the acceptability of just, you know, recreational use. Um, there was, you never heard, I never even heard the word 
opioid when I was younger. I, I didn't even start hearing about that word until a few years ago. And I'm like, what exactly is that? And um, now, you know, now it's now it's on the verge of being a, a, a pandemic and and no one really is clear. I shouldn't say no one, but I'd say the masses and particularly our youth are not clear on this this, you know, invisible, stealthy killer called fentanyl. And that's what, you know, now that it's come onto my radar screen, I'm like, what on earth is going on? What is this? I really want you to share everything that you know about this, because that seems to be a pretty um, substantial link in this whole epidemic. Yeah, it absolutely is. Right now, um, the number uh, one cause for overdose is fentanyl. And for, for anybody that doesn't know about it, fentanyl was originally designed for um, severe pain, uh, end of life cancer pain, just, you know, the most excruciating pain under a doctor's care. It's very potent. It's 50 to 100% stronger than morphine. It's 50% stronger than heroin. It is a synthetic drug. And um, so it's inexpensive to make. And, and obviously the intention all along was for it to stay under, you know, lock and key in the hospitals and and under doctor's care. And even with that, it's it's powerful and patients talk about, you know, withdrawals even under a doctor's care. But of course, it didn't pan out like that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the bad guys, you know, are the drug cartels, drug dealers got a hold of the fentanyl. And the short version and we'll talk more about how that's all happening, is that they're cutting all the drugs with it. Any drug that's on the black market now, um, even pills, Percocet, Xanax, Adderall, um, certainly cocaine and and heroin, all of these drugs are being cut with fentanyl and without the user having any idea. And, um, you know, usually the first question I get is why? which is, I think, the first thing that you asked me yeah. when we talked, because it doesn't make good business sense to be putting a drug out there in your drugs. It's killing your customers. But Yeah, um, yeah, it seems kind of counterintuitive to building a thriving business and wanting repeat clientele that you are feeding them products that are very likely going to kill them in short order. Oh, absolutely. Well, keep the, the street name for fentanyl is serial killer or drop dead drug. That's the street name for this drug. I, you know, it logically, I know you and I are sitting here and even to this day, after being two years in it, I just can't wrap my head around it. But, you know, the, the first quick answer is think about where these drugs are coming from. They're coming from China and Mexico and they don't care. You know, people in our country talk about chemical warfare and how are they going to get us and when is it happening? It's here. And these drugs are coming in over the border from, like I said, China and Mexico. And there's not a lot of care about what's happening to the people that are taking them over here. So there's that thought. Also, Mm -hmm. because fentanyl is a synthetic drug, it's inexpensive to make. And therefore, let's say I'm sending over a batch of cocaine instead of sending pure cocaine, I'll put some of the fentanyl in there because it's less expensive to make. And it's easy to get from these different places. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, logically, it, it doesn't make any sense. And and certainly once you get into a little bit deeper with 
substance use disorder and addiction and people that are on the heavier drugs, then there is the desire for the bump that fentanyl can give them. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that they're safe from the fentanyl. You know, yeah, they're overdosing as well. Sure. So is it, is that a drug that a person build, can build up a tolerance to like other, so, you know, like other drugs, so they can tolerate more of it over a period of time or not? Yes. Um, just like with heroin, you know, with, with any of that, but even having said that, um, we're still, they're still overdosing and Narcan is now on the scene and that's actually a nasal spray that can revive um, people that have overdosed with fentanyl. It's just a matter of getting to them in time. And, yeah. you know, even with that, like I, I talked to a um, first responder that told me he had been to the same house 10 times in one week to revive the same person oh. from, from this. I mean, you know, the the stories, but but for our young people that are starting out, What's so incredibly scary to me is, um, you know, certainly now the Xanax and Percocet and and um, those kind of things that are being cut with fentanyl, because in their minds, if somebody hands them a Xanax, hey, that's a prescription drug. My parents have that. Mm-hmm. You know, what could be the harm with with trying and and you know maybe just trying that and that's a good place for me to start to maybe just get a little buzz and see what getting high is. And people are dying from that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I guess there would be that um, mistaken belief that because it, it's in a prescription bottle or a pill that would come as uh, a prescription from a doctor, that there's a false sense of safety about it. Absolutely. I, I had a mom reach out to me and her son was not a known drug user at all. He was 22 years old and his friend and, you know, that's one thing that I can't say enough about. No, no source is a trusted source when we're talking about black market drugs. But a friend gave him a Xanax pill to help him sleep. And the young man took half. And they know that because they found the other half on his nightstand. And he died. 22 years old. Um, there was hardly any Xanax in his system. It was fentanyl. Jeez. And it's a story that's being repeated. Um, social media recently just blew up young man, 19 years old. His name was Gunther and very nice looking young man. His aunt wrote just a, uh, you know, mm. gut-wrenching story. And him and a friend, 19 years old, had gotten home. So the mom, you know, hey, my, ki- my kids are safe. I can go to bed. One of, the, one of them had Percocet that they'd gotten from somebody else that they knew and trusted. And each boy took a Percocet and both boys, 19 years old, were found dead the next morning. That is unbelievable. I mean, not, uh, you know, say nothing about the, the heart wrenching, you know, tragic sorrow of it all, but it's just unbelievable. So, you know, and it, it, I want to circle back before I lose it too, real quick, because earlier you said, um, this is interesting that I, something I hadn't thought of. You said it's easier for kids to get drugs than alcohol, which makes perfect sense. Um, and I think that I'm just wondering how much of a factor that is because, you know, when you're young, um, you're, you know, you're experimenting and you're partying and you're, you're doing all the things that most young kids do. Uh, but 
it makes it pretty easy to become um, very vulnerable, to be a victim when the thing that's easiest for you to get your hands on is, is drugs and you don't know anything about where they're coming from and who's making them. And clearly that's probably uh, an easier route to go than trying to score some alcohol. It's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's so valid. And, and, um, you know, again, no, I just can't say that enough that knowledge is power. And even the dare programs, a lot of them are still outdated and they're not telling, they're not giving enough information. You know, there is a really, really big difference in drugs are bad for you and drugs will kill you and absolutely can kill you the very first time you try drugs. That's new in our country. We we right now are the only country in the industrialized world that our life expectancy is dropping. And it's completely related to the opioid crisis. Um, and they're saying, you know, if we don't get a hold of, on this some kind of way, if we, if we can't turn the tide of this just horrific epidemic, we're going to lose an entire generation to, to this crisis. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's got to start with getting the information out there. Um, obviously, way above my pay grade, also stopping these drugs from coming in mm-hmm. to our country. You know, that's a whole um, yeah. yeah in itself. But if we can at least educate our young people, and it's not just young people, right. you know, I mean, there's there's certainly people that are, you know, in their 30s and 40s that might still want to, you know, have a line of cocaine and, you know, had done it in their 20s and have never run across any problems and and are, again, not aware of, of what's happening with fentanyl. Right. Yeah, th- that's so true. Um, that 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 word fentanyl is so is so new to me that I would have never had any clue that there was such a thing and that any kind of opioid, uh, you know, could have such a, a killer product mixed in with it. I, I would be clueless. Um, so you're right. It's, it's about uh, educating people. They bringing this to the awareness of not only young people, but everyone is... I mean, it's like of critical importance right now. This is this is reaching such a massive. Every day you read something about it, it's of massive proportions now, and it's really scary. And especially when you know you made the comment too a minute ago, I never thought about it this way. You said um, about you know the fear of chemical warfare, and you know when you think about things like that, you you imagine the story in your head, you know, plays it out in a certain way that's usually rather obvious. But this, you said it's here. And it's it's here here in this form, which is not something that anybody would relate to that. You know what I mean? You would, you would relate what's going on to, to other things like lack of education and it's scary and it's, you know, drug dealers and drug cartels, but it's beyond where are they getting it, you know, and, and why. And so if you keep going, digging deeper and deeper to the motivation, it's hard not to seriously consider that this would be a version of chemical warfare that's upon us. That's really an interesting and frightening thought. Yeah. And it, it, and it has a lot of credibility to it. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm in a world that I never thought that I would be in. And, and that's where the going rogue came in, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, but I 
stay on top of what's going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly just, you know, trying to be a sponge and get as much information as I can. Um, you know, these, when you hear how this is even happening, these drug dealers, you know, for a while, supposedly, um, I think eBay and, and wherever else they were getting them is shut that down, but they were buying pill presses and pill dyes. They're readily available. And then these things called V mixers that they were mixing all the drugs. And now keep in mind, most of these drug dealers are not even high school graduates and they're playing <laughs> chemistry in their house with these yeah. drugs. Um, there was a man named Eric Frakowski in Florida that this was reported. Um, the first responders came to his house and his partner was unresponsive and, and later died, the mother of his children. And when they went in his garage, they found the pill press, the pill dye, the V-mixer. And they arrested the man, but he got out on bail. And do you know that he took his little show up to Tennessee and got back in business? Now, he had a pill press and he had a pill, a pill dye, but he didn't have his V-mixer. So he took a, a gallon of milk jug. And was just mixing the stuff in there and still putting the fentanyl in it. Mm. And um, in a 24-hour period in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, it's hard for me to say that word. Yeah. Um, 20 people, it's a, it's a tongue twister, 20 people overdosed, um, one fatality. And the fatality was a woman that was a pillar in her community. She had three children, um, you know, church on Sunday, but she had been in a car accident five years prior and had got addicted to pain pills. And then when all these, you know, laws have been passed to, to kind of tie the doctor's hands where they can't just readily hand the, the opioids and strong pain pills out like candy, she went to the black market to get her Percocet and she got a Percocet that was cut with fentanyl from this Eric Krakowski that killed her. Oh, unbelievable. So, it just, it's just, we have to, everybody, the, the first thing that has to happen in this country is we have to eradicate the stigma that goes along with, with um, substance use disorder and overdose. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and says they're going to be an addict. The same, you know, strong drug that took my son down is the same reason that there are so many addicts and, and people that are struggling in this country. Um, and certainly nobody wakes up, and, and I know Hunter had no idea that day that that would be his last day. You know, that's not a thought that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and and for so many of the people that have, I know I'm kind of bouncing around here, but there's just so much involved with all this. Yeah. You know, with with the addiction and that piece of it, you know, a lot of that starts with our star athletes in high school that have had injuries and you know, our car accidents and, and, you know, it's not again, like that they willingly go down that path or just back to naivety about the drugs. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to try this a little bit here. Okay. I tried that and that worked out for me. Let me, let me try this and see what kind of high I can get, you know, right. and it's just that kind of thinking that leads them. You know, that's what I tell people when I go out and, and do my talks, you know, today in today's drug culture, Starting any kind of um, path with drugs is going to lead you to either a life of addiction or death. I mean, that's the reality. That's not propaganda. You know, that's the statistics to prove it. And and the just 
heartfelt, gut-wrenching stories that, you know, I hear daily. Right. The the stories, you know, is is hard as it's got to be to share those stories, your story and others who have similar stories over and over. I, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be, but those are the stories that you need, you know what I mean, to hopefully make uh, a big enough impact on people to, you know, to get it to sink in. That's a really good point. And, and I do think that um, one of the reasons that our presentation or, or, or when I'm talking is so well received, it, again, it's back to the hunter. Because, you know, they really, they're seeing somebody that, that lived a, a great life, that um, had everything in the world going for him. Very nice looking young man, if I must say so myself. I know he's my son, but, <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. The girls liked him. Yeah, um, I, I saw pictures of him on your website. He was a beautiful <laughs> young man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, he just, so they can relate because um, certainly... I never saw this coming. And, and I, and I need to definitely point out, we talked about drugs with our son. We talked about alcohol. We, you know, had what we thought were really in-depth, honest conversations and come to find out we weren't saying anything. We weren't saying crap, you know, nothing that mattered. And we, I'd right. never even heard of fentanyl. I'd never heard of that prior to this happening to my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and back, using the example again of your son, you know, this is not the old paradigm of people thinking that this is about addiction and it's not, it's not really about addiction. It's so far beyond that because it's a, because the scary thing is that it's about, it's about the innocent use of something. It's about the recreational use. Again, it, there's that naivety uh, about what's going on and what the potential risks are th that we're no longer, you know, or that weren't there in the past that are definitely there now. And, um, and it's not about what people tend to think of as who's going to be the, the problem, you know, child, or who's going to be the, the person that is susceptible to this. Nobody's immune anymore. No, that, that throw the stereotype, which quite frankly, I was guilty of. I was absolutely guilty of that stereotype before this happened. You know, that, that world's never going to touch me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, to take it to even another level, look at our celebrities that we're losing, um, mm -hmm. to, and specifically to fentanyl Prince. Think of the resources that these people have and, and the, I, I would think, better chance of a source that would be more reliable. And they're yeah. not even safe. You know, the, that's exact. I mean, Prince died from fentanyl. Right, right. Money and status, um, it, you know, and being, being up on a pedestal, not even that is going to keep you safe. No, absolutely not. And, and that's what, um, you know, we have to, th there's so many landmines out there for our young people. There really are, you know, and, and, you know, I would encourage certainly parents when they're talking to their young people to be specific about the drugs and all that. But, you know, again, we, we touched on that just briefly, you know, I don't want to scare them so, so far away from drugs that they turned to alcohol at a young age, because that's a whole nother set of problems. 
So we just have to um, really just bring it home to our young people, you know, what, what the dangers are out there and be specific about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky, that's a tricky, you know, road to hoe there. It's just, you're afraid no matter which way you turn. But, you know, that's how it is with every parent in every generation of teenagers that we're raising. There's always something to fear. You know what I mean? In oh, that's the, really cool. Yeah. There just is always something to fear. And um, that just the, the monster just changes form. Right. But there's never been one, there's never been a beast like this out there. No, no. Oh, good way to put that. There absolutely has not. Um, and, and again, you know, the statistics back all this up, you know, um, in the Vietnam War, which was almost a 30 year war, we lost 58,000 people in that war. In one year, in 2016, in this country alone, we lost 64,000 people to overdose. And I would love to say that because we're talking about it, it's getting better. But then in the very next year, it's 72,000. And we don't even have all the numbers in from last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I actually have some specific things that I would say to parents if, if you, you know, would like to hear that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, First of all, the, the main thing that I would say is it starts at home and parents need to lock up their prescription medicines because kids are curious and they will go in the medicine cabinet and, you know, grab a Xanax or whatever. And so if they do that, they're even more susceptible, first of all, to becoming addicted because Xanax is a very addictive drug. But also now I took that and that was fine. I can take it from my friend and I'm going to be fine. Right. So and even if it's not your kid snooping in your medicine oh, cabinet, the kid's friends, right? That's a good point. Yep. You have your friends over, they go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. And you know that that's happening. Um, sure. and, and certainly along that same vein, to make sure that you correctly um, discard of all your unused um, medicines. You know, most places have drop boxes. Some pharmacies will take them back, but it's so easy. You just Google it and you find out where a drop box is near you or what, what your state, city, county, what, whatever is um, the correct way to do it, because it does vary. Um, and then certainly be a fierce advocate for your child. I mean, you're the one that's in there making the decisions at the doctor's office you know, learn about alternatives for pain management, well, acupuncture, chiropractor, you know, whatever. Um, but just be an advocate and, and don't just accept that, okay, he's got to have this strong opioid for pain relief. Right, right. That's, that's a big one. And then, you know, the generic talks, like I said, are out the window. Um, you know, don't waste your time with, you know, the drugs are bad for you. Be really specific. And you know, I will say that um, sometimes parents need a little a little help, a tool or, or something that you can sit down with your um, child, niece, nephew, aunt. I mean, you know, it's it's anybody um, that that kind of just to, to get you going. And I will say and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but you and I talked about this and you, I think you've seen this. But a really good friend of Hunter's wrote um, a song called the HD Life Song. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he wrote it. It's in a hip hop genre. 
and our family made the decision to reenact everything that happened to us in a music video. And it's a very powerful video. It doesn't hold anything back. It starts with the phone call we got. And there are pictures of Hunter in the hospital hooked up to all the tubes. It's like I said, very powerful, but you know, we, the feedback that we've gotten is that's a, that was a great platform for parents to sit down and show that to their um, children. And then it sparked conversation and be ready when you do that to have the answers that the the kids are going to ask. And that's probably a good time to ask, to answer your question about the HD life. I haven't even um, where that came from. Hunter's name was Hunter Dalton, but he would always tell his friends um, if they called and said, what are you up to, dude? His answer was always, man, I'm just living the HD life. And, and so that's where that came from. You know, his way of just saying, I'm, I'm living life to the fullest. Um, yeah. So that is a really good um, tool to kind of get you started. You know, we, and, and don't be afraid, you know, if you, if you have information yourself, then you can go in there. And if you, uh, a friend of mine said that she did that with her son and he started asking her questions that she didn't have the answer to. And she said it almost was the best thing that could have happened because they Googled it together and they just, you know, kind of went down this journey together and, and saw what was out there. And then certainly for parents, we want to talk about the Good Samaritan law. Yes, yes, that's perfect. That was exactly the next question I was going to ask. What is that and why is that so important? Uh, well, with the Good Samaritan law, and it, it varies just slightly, probably state to state, but you can find out, you know, within your own state. But what that means is let's say that your son and his friend are out um, and they're doing something illegal. They're, they're smoking weed or they're, they're doing drugs or even drinking underage for that matter. And one of them needs medical attention. They can call, the friend can call and get help for them. And there will be no repercussions for the fact that they were also smoking or doing whatever. And this is so important parents. I cannot stress this enough because I could literally spend this entire podcast telling you the most heartbreaking stories of kids that maybe could have made it, but their friends were so terrified by what was going on, A, or or B, you know, terrified of themselves getting in trouble, but they left friends behind. And, and you would think, you know, hey, my kid's a good kid. He's not, not going to do that, but you don't know in the moment. Right. And certainly if drugs and alcohol are involved. Um, so make that call because, and tell, talk to your kids about this because you certainly don't want that responsibility on your child that he's left somebody and that person possibly dies from that action. But even Mm -hmm. more so, you don't want your child to be the one that's left. And I don't know why pretty much 90% of the people when I go out and talk have not even heard of the Good Samaritan Law. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, you would think, again, it seems like something that should be, you know, shouted from the rooftops given the the crisis that's going on. Um, but you're right because, I mean, you know, kids, teenagers, 
I mean, you're, you're not at an age where you are capable of always using the best judgment, even if you're not drinking and partying, number one, then you, then you are, and you're high or you're drunk or both. And one of your friends, you know, ODs. And of course, you know, you're going to panic and thinking that you're going to be in worse trouble and making, you know, a terrible decision um, on very warped and distorted, unclear judgment, you leave somebody behind because out of fear and when they maybe could have been saved. And it's so important if they knew that I can still make a phone call and I can still try to get help from my friend because I'm safe. I won't be in trouble, you know, for doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing that I would think would be a pretty big game changer too. Well, and, and along with that, um, in that same vein, again, the buddy system, you know, tell your kids, um, you know, stay connected to somebody. If you're out in a social environment and drugs are present, drinking's present, you know, you make sure you've got a lifeline and they've got a lifeline. Um, Mm -hmm. that's also so important. Um, I talk to the same school every year and there's a gentleman that talks with me and his son was at a party. And, and what ended up happening is everybody knew they'd kind of been overserved. There were some drugs involved in drinking, but they, they all kind of took care of each other. Um, you know, partnered up and, and were responsible in that sense and sort of left and, oh, it's time to go home. You know, everybody got a little overserved, but this young man, big football player and did not look obviously drunk to everybody. You know, he looked like he was okay. And somehow in all the partnering up and getting, taking care of everybody, he got left behind. And he was so intoxicated um, and under the influence that he, you know, stumbled off from this party. And in his not clear thinking mind, he climbed up on, at a construction site, up on some kind of piece of equipment and stumbled to his death. Mm. You know, and, you know, all of these young people were, why did we leave him? You know, how, how did that even happen? Right. Along with the good Samaritan thing, you know, to, to, um, kind of take care of each other and, and listen, young people and and parents certainly tell your young people the day of taking a selfie with your passed out friend, that's gone. Yeah. Um, You know, we don't, you don't ever know what somebody has taken what they're on what's actually going on with them and and I will tell you that not only is that you know not being a good friend or a, a good person doing that but also now that's where you can get in trouble you know taking the selfies and and it being obvious that you're not taking care of this person or even trying to get them help when they need it Oh, like it's almost like you, you are showing, having evidence that you're being completely negligent. Exactly. Perfect way to put it. Ah. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, and that we've seen that we've seen that story unfold in fraternity houses and sorority houses on, and I'm not working on our fraternity brothers. Hunter was a Kai Fi, very proud of that. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that is a lot of time, a place where there's just more partying, let's face it. Well, sure. And still bad judgment. Yes. (laughs) You know, know, yeah, no, no harmful intent, but, but that doesn't, 
you know, eliminate the possibility for ridiculous or poor judgment. And then bad things happen. Right. And you know, one thing, Lori, that we haven't even mentioned, and I'm, I can hear people going, uh-uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but weed. And that's definitely something that needs to be talked about because um, I know that marijuana is legal in some states, and I'm, I'm certainly not going down that road or, or having anything to say against any of that. But what's happening now with the weed is the synthetic weed. Again, we're, we're back to that word synthetic and, um, you know, not knowing what's in the weed. And let's say that your son or daughter is at a party and they're presented their first joint ever. Are, are they going to be so savvy that they can tell a difference between synthetic weed or the marijuana that's you know, grown and, and not harmful to you. Pure. Yeah, absolutely not. And people are dying from synthetic weed. And actually, um, the hospital that Hunter was at, the nurse told us about a young man that had been in the hospital right before Hunter. And he had smoked what he thought was just weed, but there were bath salt in it. It had unbeknownst to him. There were what? Bath salt. This is another crazy thing that's going on. And um, this young man was in the hospital for some time and he survived, but he's brain damaged for the rest of his life. This, I mean, it's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just everywhere. It's, um, yeah. How would you know? How would you know? Because weed seems, you know, pretty much in the category now, even though it's not legal in all states, but it's it's by so many considered to be in the same category as having a beer. You know, it's considered to be relatively harmless. And, and, and yeah, you know, beyond that, then take it a step further. And there are the aspects of it that actually have medicinal purposes. So when you're only looking at those things and you're not considering that there's a flip side to the coin now for, for marijuana too, that, you know, it, it's potentially synthetic and potentially has bath salts in it is, do they put fentanyl in that as well? Right now, um, there has not been a documented case of an overdose or a death mm-hmm. from fentanyl and in the weed. I see it coming. I absolutely see it coming if it's not already. And they're careful to say that, you know, um, that, that, that there may be some of that happening that just hasn't come to surface because other drugs may be involved when you get to the point where, you know, an autopsy is done or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but certainly even taking fentanyl out of that equation, if you've got the synthetic weed, which in Chicago, that was year before last, um, there were two killed, two died and like 54 people all on one party that from synthetic weed that had severe bleeding and, um, you know, it made the headlines. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm with you, you know, if it's, if it's marijuana and you're in a state where it's legal or if you're, you know, I'm certainly not, um, at all saying that I don't believe marijuana has its good use, you know, medicinal Mm -hmm. and and everything that you said. And I, as a matter of fact, what's so ironic here is uh, Hunter in middle school, Hunter and his buddy Alex came home one day and the dare agent, you know, with the police department had been there. And he actually told the kids that if you're going to try a drug, 
if you just got to get out there and, and see what it's like, try marijuana. He actually told them that. Wow. Yeah. And you don't hear that too often. No. And, and I think that you probably would never hear it now, but mm-hmm. it just, it all, everything that we're talking about today just comes back to one basic thing. There is no trusted drug on the black market, period, exclamation point. You know, that, that, and there is no trusted source. Um, you could be getting a drug from a, a really good friend, but how far back the line does that go? You know, where did he get it from and where did they get it from? And, um, you know, parents should be scared and they should scare their kids and with the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the end consumer, if you're getting it on the black market, you have no clue what the original source is because who knows how many hands that was passed through and, and state lines and countries before it ended up in your hand. You you can't possibly know. And, and, and they are, um, you know, the good small victories and we'll take those wherever we can get them. Um, and I actually, you know, I said that and I have, I've mixed feelings because of the substance use disorder and people getting in over their heads and so forth. But, um, where I live in North Carolina, there was a young lady that, um, got Xanax from a friend and she died 24 years old, just a little bit North of where I live. And the young man that sold it to her was charged with second, uh, or with manslaughter. They're starting to bring those charges. If these, um, drug dealers know that there's fentanyl, or if they're, you know, result in death, we're finally getting some headway where they're, they're going after these people as they, you know, as they should, if there's malice and if they know that they're giving them this, these tainted drugs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, where, so where do you see, um, your foundation, you know, going from here, what are the future plans for the Hunter Douglas foundation and, in you know, I, this is probably obvious, but what's your greatest hope with the foundation? Well, it's Hunter Dalton, Mm -hmm. um, um, the Hunter Dalton HD life foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are, are speaking, you know, I go around and I uh, speak, we have a presentation that we do. Um, I just spoke to 2000 students last week. It was very well received. Um, I'm also going back and forth to Raleigh and in my state of North Carolina, um, working with the Attorney General's Office of North Carolina. We're about to launch a huge, um, they're about to launch, and I'm very proud to be partnered with them with this, um, opioid awareness prevention campaign. And the idea is to just kind of saturate, um, you know, our country, quite frankly, with information um, and resources. You know, like a, um, one of the things included with this is uh, a website that, you know, any question you could possibly have as a parent or as somebody that, that suspects maybe your young person has already tiptoed into the drug, you know, what, what do I do? What are my resources? That kind of thing. Um, I would like to be speaking every single day, you know, and I, um, that is my goal so far. You know, I'm only two years into this, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. The first year we uh, produced the music video and did the song and, and everything that goes along with establishing a, a foundation, which again, back to me going rogue, you know, talk about being out of your wheelhouse. I just, <laughs> you know, 
I'm doing what? And I, and I kept all along, I, I just kept saying, I'm, I'm, I'm producing a, what am I doing? You know, like I, just, right. I, I, I catch myself, but, um, but Hunter pushes me forward, but, but so yes, the end goal is, um, I would stand up at the Super Bowl and talk and tell my story. You know, yeah. I, it's the only thing that, that, um, that keeps me going. That's, it's literally the reason that I get up in the morning. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I loved my son so incredibly much and I miss him so bad. Um, but if I can stop one family from this unbearable pain, you know, then, then that's my mission. And however that presents itself, um, yeah. you know, we, there was a docu-series that Hunter was featured in. And um, there's a movie that's being made out of New York. And they've, um, there's like 100 families that are going to be involved with that. And, and our family is one of them. So um, magazine article, you know, it, yeah. anything to, to get the story out of there. Excellent. Excellent. I would love for you. Actually, you know what I want to do real quick before um, we tell everyone where they can find uh, the information is I just want to do a quick recap of those things that people can do uh, that have kids at home that, you know, are either of the age where they're going to be experimenting or will be soon. And you named off some really good points. And I, I just want to drive those home one more time. So, you know, the main thing is, like you said, it starts at home, right? And you need to, as a, as a responsible adult, make sure that you're locking up your prescriptions. The Absolutely. Second, yeah. Yeah. And then you said, uh, obviously responsibly discarding of anything that you're not using anymore. Is it safe to just flush that stuff down the toilet? Cause you know how people Absolutely. are. Absolutely not. Really? Uh, Yeah, it is not. That's a, that's a big no, no. Um, you, there's, um, environmental reasons why we can't do that. Um, and Uh. there, you know, that's a very good point. I didn't even think to say that, but, um, I actually, the first time I talked, I said that, (laughs) you know, 15 Uh. people came running up and said, no, they can't flush them. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm learning this too, but yeah, they cannot do that. So that's why I, I suggested, you know, you go online, you Google it, and it, it certainly will give you locations and, and how to correctly discard those unused medicines. Okay, that's good to know, because that would have been my first go through. It's so easy to, to you know, to, to stand there and you don't have Absolutely. to leave your house. You don't have to do any research. You don't have to make an appointment and go somewhere because you know how people are. If it's not convenient, a lot of times it's not likely to get done. So, you know, my first thought would be flush it. But now we know that's that's a no, no. Right. Okay. All right. And then be a, a fierce advocate for your child was the next one you, you said. Yes, absolutely. Be, you know, um, find alternatives for pain management and don't just, you know, do your research, get second opinions. Absolutely. Okay. And then you said, be very specific when you talk to your kids. And sometimes you might need some help, like watching the music video that you guys made, which I did watch. It's very powerful. That's a, that would be a great place for people to go for some sort of, you know, helpful tool that could be more impactful than just having a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny States, um, and Hunter were very good friends and he's a talented young man and, and, um, this was from his heart. It was right after Hunter passed away. So it's, it's powerful. And then the fact that we, um, show what happened to us and that's real, that's our real feelings. You know, it's, it's us in that. Yeah. Yeah. 
the next thing you said was getting a lifeline or a buddy system in place so that if you are out with friends or a group or at a party or something that you've got each other's back and you've got a plan to make sure that you're taking care of each other. Absolutely. And, and that's where also the Good Samaritan law comes in to make yes. sure that, you know, they know about that and that, you know, don't, and, you know, have that conversation that's between you and your child also how you're going to deal with the situation, but just make sure that, that they need to know that they can call for help. Right. Perfect. And I think the last big point on that is know that if you're getting anything from the black market, you cannot trust any of it. I don't care who gives it to you, your best friends, best friends, best friend, nobody, they don't know where it came from. So you can't trust any of it. Absolutely. And then the, actually the last thing that I would say to parents is, you know what, it's not you until it is. Mm, that's it, powerful. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Okay. Where Debbie can our listeners find um, your social media sites and your website for more information. Yes, thank you. It's um, thehdlife.org is our website. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook, the Hunter Dalton HD Life Foundation on Facebook. And Twitter is at Hunter Dalton HD Life. Perfect. Thank you. So my last question, Debbie, is what would you like to share with everyone about the value of going rogue? Is it worth it? Well, I will tell you, in my case, it saved my life. Mm. And that's not an overstatement. That's a reality. You know, I had a choice. Like I said, I can't describe the pain and, and you know, there's just not words. So I won't even attempt to do that. Um, but it is crazy as that sounds, it, it almost would have been easier to curl up in a ball um, and right. just live my life. And, you know, this this was a, a hard leap of faith, but um, it's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me going. And um, it, lit- it literally saved my life by going rogue and, and, and just not living the life at all that I thought I'd be living, but living the life now that I have to live. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, almost like you were fortunate enough to find the strength to be open to a new purpose in life, which would have been really hard to do under those circumstances. Cause I, I can only imagine that's how I would feel too. I would just want to curl up in a ball and not really have any, it would like be really easy to lose all meaning and purpose in life. Really easy to do that. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I still have my, I, every day's bad, as I say, but some days, you know, are just unbearable, but, but just this hope that maybe one person, you know, even listening to this podcast, if I've, if I've saved one life, I know that's what Hunter would want. And that's what drives me is his heart, his legacy. Beautiful. Debbie, I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us and sharing your story and all of this really valuable information. Um, I hope that we can meet in person, uh, at some oh, I point. Would love that. I would too. Yeah. I look, I look forward to that. And, um, and I know that you are probably more than you even realize already starting to have an impact on prevention and, and saving some lives. And no doubt you'll continue to do that on a bigger scale. And I, I, I send you just 
all kinds of love and blessings for your mission. It's a worthy one. Uh, it's a big one. So bless you. And thank you so, so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me and God bless you, Lori. Okay. I am so grateful that Debbie spent this time with us. I cannot imagine how hard it must be to share that story. And my hat is off to her for turning her and her family's loss into a form of hope and help for others. I hope that everybody takes this really seriously. This is evil stuff. And um, it's like an un unstoppable, indiscriminate, elusive serial killer. It really takes no prisoners. So listen up and take it to heart. I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. So please leave me some comments and some feedback. Um, give me a rating if you would. I would love that. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't so that you will know when the next show is out. If you are trying to make some shift happen in your life and you would like some private coaching with me, connect with me on Facebook or through the we'retalkingshift.com website or lauriebischoff.com. Thank you so much for spending this time listening to Debbie's story. Until we talk again next week, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. You too, Gary Vee.